It's time for JT the Brick. You can dislike the Chiefs. You can disrespect the Chiefs. You're going to have to deal with the Chiefs. Rolling into the Super Bowl, and it's an actual nightmare. They're practicing in our building, our headquarters, and they're playing in our stadium. We knew it was going to be an issue, and it's an issue. Believe it, baby. We're going to Las Vegas, Nevada, to go get us another one. I really can't believe this is happening. JT the Brick. So as I look at this matchup, I hate it. I hate it. But I got to do my job and I got to do my show. Am I furious about it? Hell yeah, I'm furious about it. But if I had my choice, I'd rather do it at Arrowhead. They're practicing in our building, our headquarters, and they're playing in our stadium. I really can't believe this is happening. You can dislike the Chiefs. You can disrespect the Chiefs. It's an actual nightmare. And now, live from Radio Row, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT, live from Radio Row, and here we go. What an honor it is to be here. Uh, My 26th Radio Row, and it's in Vegas where we live. How lucky are we to be here? We're brought to you all week by Grimaldi's, best pizza I ever had. They're our proud partner all week from Radio Row, along with all of our other partners. And we can't thank everybody enough. Q Myers, our whole team that set us up here. We got a great setup here on Radio Row, and we're just getting started. As we begin, first hour of the show, Paul Gutierrez in a moment, and also Albert Breer will join us to talk about the Raiders' hirings, Cliff Kingsbury, and what happened along the way here over the weekend as my cell phone was hijacked by Raider Nation, absolutely freaking out, losing their mind for a coach who never coached a game with the Raiders. Again, I've been doing this a long time. I respect everybody's opinion. I know you respect my opinion. We We don't have to get it right all the time. But, oh, my God, my Raider therapist card is going to be overused this week. I can't believe some of the behavior of the fans and losing their mind who don't know anything what happened, weren't in the negotiations, weren't in the building, and are assuming that the Raiders screwed it up or this happened or that happened. We will paint the picture over the next hour on exactly what happened and where the Raiders go from here. From ESPN, Paul Gutierrez kicks off our weekly coverage Thanks for being here for us, buddy. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Uh, happy Super Bowl week. Yes. Great <laughs> to see you here because, you know, you being a UNLV grad yeah. and me getting to know you and your wife in the Bay Area, we never dreamed of this. This was never a reality. And as you chronicled it with Sheldon Adelson and Brian Sandoval, Mark Bedane, Mark uh, Davis, everyone back in the day that put this deal together, Napoleon McCallum. Yeah. And look at us on Radio Row the week of the Super Bowl. It's one of those stories, JT, where it made all the sense in the world 10 years ago because it, you know, in growing up in Vegas, so to speak, I mean, Ooh. I grew up in Barstow, but I went to UNLV in the early to mid-90s um, and, and covering boxing, covering different events here. It always made sense to me that the Super Bowl should be in Las Vegas. Take away the gam- gambling aspect and, and, and uh, you know, how, how that was kind of looked upon at one time. But when it came to big events – be it a prize fight, be it uh, the NBA All-Star game, whatever it was. When it comes to big events, nobody does big events like Las Vegas. And there's really no bigger event than the NFL or its big event, the Super Bowl. So in one aspect, it always made all the sense in the world. And to actually see it come to fruition with, with the start of it and see, you know, go up and talk to Wayne Newton today at, yeah, at, the, uh, at cool. the opening press conference. And it's just one of those things where it's like, it's really happening, and one of the NFL PA guys, I won't say his name, but he came out and he looked at myself and somebody else with the Raider organization, and, and he just shook his head and said, wow, it's really happening. It was so complex, the idea, yep. because of gaming and 
Mr. Adelson, who initially, I remember when we were at Radio Row and the story broke that the money fell out from Bank America. Yeah. And I was with Vinnie Bonsignor at the time before he came to the station, and I said, no problem. I was like one of the only guys who said it's not a it's not a problem getting you know five hundred million dollars considering it's Las Vegas yeah. and there's banks and there's other people who are going to step up and then the deal came together. Paul, it looked so complex at the time, but now that we're here and we know the Raiders, it seems so easy, and it just happens to be now. I think it was complicated initially. Now it just feels right. I, I, it's funny. Um, not trying to scoop myself or mm-hmm. anything here, but if, if people want to buy the official Super Bowl yes. program, I have a story in there. Excellent. With Mark. And I spent time with him at the 8 Lounge, the cigar bar at, at the Resorts World. And we sat for a couple of hours, enjoyed a, a, mm-hmm. a stick or two, and, and uh, talked about the journey of yeah. the Raiders, Las Vegas, uh, the Super Bowl, all joining forces and, and coming to town. So it's one of those stories where as he was a kid growing up, he mm-hmm. would come with his mom and his dad. And he just remembered the people of Las Vegas uh, taking care of his family. He said he didn't know why they were so nice to him. They just did. And that speaks to Las Vegas's reputation of, of hospitality. And so he wanted to kind of pay that back in some way. Now, again, a lot of people are, are getting their beak wet, so to speak, here with, with the Super Bowl being in town. But it kind of it started way back then when he was, uh, as he put it, a 13-year-old freckle-faced kid yeah. who'd come out here and just hang out by the pool all day long while his mom and dad went to shows and, and enjoyed Las Vegas. And, and uh, you know, he wasn't hanging out with the Rat Pack. He was more of a lone wolf himself back then. But, but yeah, it's, it's a long journey, and yet when you look back on it, it makes all the sense in the world. It does. Paul Gutierrez is our guest. The fans want to know what's going on with Cliff Kingsbury. There's a lot of different reports out there, and I haven't seen this type of panic from the Raider fans since the initial hiring of Josh McDaniels. And that didn't turn out to be a good decision, but I reminded everybody they never welcomed Josh McDaniels. They never wanted him. They didn't even give him the press conference, and you covered it. And I was the first guy to interview him. And he had no chance because the fans were just like, Patriot way, Patriot way. And now people are freaking out over Cliff Kingsbury, who doesn't have a winning record in the NFL, has connections to quarterbacks, and Luke Getze comes in. So you're reporting on this and what's happened behind the scenes with the Raiders. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I, can, I, I understand where, where the fans are upset because mm-hmm. Kingsbury at least has the name. Yeah, uh, He has a little cachet to him. Um, and if you want to just kind of take Antonio Pierce at his word, remember he said minimum 24 points. Right. That's what he wanted out yeah. of an offensive coordinator. But he averaged 23.6 uh, in four years. With the Cardinals, and you saw flashes of it. Mm-hmm. So there was an excitement level there, I believe, that the fancy. And then to go from, as, as I was getting texts throughout the, the process, one day I get the thumbs up on Kingsbury, the next day I get the thumbs down, meaning, oh, it's not happening. It's really yeah. not happening. Um, and still, it's not formally official, right? I mean, right. the Raiders have not announced that. That's the whole point. Getsy. So I think you look at it, and from a Raider perspective, it's like, you had your sights set on a Raider fan perspective. You mm-hmm. had your sights set on a high-flying, high-profile type offense, at least. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you're going to get with, with Getze other than he likes to run the ball, and that's uh, something else that, that Antonio yeah. and Tom Telesco said they want to do. You look at the stats, but his passing game has not been really good mm-hmm. the past two years. You look at the stats, with that ranks, he's been at the bottom of the league. There's no doubt about that. You can't. Those are the numbers. Mm-hmm. They stick with that. Um, but it also puts into question... There was, he, and I'm going to do a deep dive here. Yeah. When, when you're talking about Kingsbury, you know what kind of quarterback he wants. So now all of a sudden that gets the fans excited. Oh, wow, okay, I guess they're going to go get a mobile quarterback there. Maybe they're going to trade up into the top three and get one of those guys mm-hmm. up there. With Getsy, you don't know what he wants other than he probably doesn't like Justin Fields much, which might have been a trade target before. Maybe yeah. he still is. I don't know. It just throws everything 
into even more, I don't, I don't want to say disarray, but there's more questions now with his hiring than there probably were if Kingsbury were taking the job in terms of the quarterback. Kingsbury was my first choice. I think it was the first choice of everybody because of the name and yep. what everybody hoped he'd do with this air raid offense. And then talking to other people today, the Raiders aren't set up for an air raid option. You need three more Trey Tuckers, right? You need, yep. you need other players to do that. And we have no idea what's going to happen with the quarterback situation. We know that Aiden O'Connell needs competition. Yep. And he needs someone to push him if he's going to be the starter here. And for Getsy, I don't know much about him other than the connection to Devontae. And as I've said on my show all the time, if Max is going to talk up that much about Antonio Pierce, and right. Devontae did a little too, but as you reported, and you know he has the impact to, have, to talk to Mark, and Mark talks to Devontae. It seems like Devontae with Aaron Rodgers had a lot of success with him as a quarterback coach, pass game coordinator right. under LaFleur. Is that what we need to study here? Maybe Devontae speaking up saying, yeah, if it's going to be anybody else other than Kingsbury, go get him. Yes, you okay. want to hear that. You want to hear that, but also the fact that he hasn't said anything, mm-hmm. that's, Good point. That, that, that speaks volumes as well. And maybe he's out of the country. Maybe he doesn't want to talk yeah. about it. But, but, yeah, it's one of those things where the faces of the franchise are always going to have that direct line to Mark mm-hmm. Davis. Um, and you're right. You, you saw that with Max mm-hmm. when it came to AP, to Antonio Pierce. Um, yeah, the, the silence speaks a little bit to me about mm-hmm. it. But, you know, he <laughs> Devontae didn't, didn't uh, mince any words when he was uh, – praising Kirk Cousins a couple weeks ago on on a, on, a, on a podcast as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's to me in covering the league for as long as I have, the more interesting things are the things that are not said. Paul Gutierrez is our guest as we kick off our Radio Row coverage all week long here on the flagship of the Silver and Black. So if Kingsbury walks away because he wanted a three-year deal, and some reports yeah. say that, and they offer him two, and then the, it's not a money issue. Mark pays coaches. I mean, anybody who says that Mark Davis is backing off by another year. Now, if Cliff ended up being offended by that and that leaks out, I'm okay with that. If he wanted three years guaranteed and he was only offered two, I think the Raiders have the right to dictate Absolutely. the contract that they're going to give here. Absolutely. But from a fan perspective, and that's all I care about is the fans here and, and them getting accurate information, this is Antonio Pierce's team. He's involved with the style of what's going to happen because he performed to get the job. So how much of a role do you think Antonio Pierce has in these discussions with Telesco, Mark Davis, and all the decisions that are making that are coming in front of him to put his stamp on what the offense is going to look like, not the defense? Well, he should. He should have every right in the world as the head coach. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, in in talking with Mark Davis after that initial press conference introducing Telesco and and, uh, Antonio together, Mark told me that when it comes to personnel decisions, the GM has final say. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that leaves it open then to the coaching staff. I would assume, I never asked this question, but I would assume that the coach mm-hmm. is the one that has final say on those things. And if it was indeed simply a three-year versus a two-year, the Raiders have, for, for as long as I've covered the team, any assistant coach, coordinator, whatever, they only get the two-year deals anyways. That's why, you know, and some of them get rolled over by incoming mm-hmm. coaching staffs. You see that happen too. Um, and, and I do wonder this part, too, and I know we're going conspiracy theory no. here. So let me put my, my tinfoil hat on here. But I do wonder if, if Cliff was a, had agreed to come in. One of the things I thought of was, okay, I know that the Raiders do fancy trading up to try to get a quarterback. Mm, sure. I do know that, and, I, and I'm pretty sure we could all agree on that. And if Cliff's coming in, maybe, maybe there was a, dis, a disagreement on who they should target. I mean, he was with Caleb Williams yeah. uh, at USC, and, and we know the, the, the connection, not only the connection, but the relationship mm-hmm. between right. Antonio and Jaden from their connection at Arizona State. Maybe there might have been a discussion there about who they should target. I don't know. 
but you see where, where Cliff Kingsbury went, he doesn't have to have that conversation anymore because they don't have to trade up because they're in the top two already. Yeah, I think they have to trade up to get Caleb. And I've always said that I think Caleb's worth three first-rounders. Everyone else is worth two. You want Drake May, you got to separate the one, two, and three. And then it's Bo Nix and what's going to happen with, you know, J.J. out of Michigan and the other ones and Michael Panix Jr. But as we wrap this up, I think that the fans, I don't want to say calm down because I don't have the right to tell fans how to act. (laughs) But this one blew me away. I mean, all day Saturday, I had an event Saturday night, and my wife's looking at me on the couch looking on Twitter she goes what are you doing I'm like this is this is bad because I don't think Raider fans understand that there's probably not a big difference is that fair to say with Getsy Kingsbury Callahan who became a head coach yeah. now I mean the former Raider assistants the head coach of the Tennessee Titans yeah. and I know people in Nashville that aren't going crazy either way though how come we didn't get a bigger name yeah. isn't it fact Paul that you have to prove yourself once you get the job. So for Luke Getze to have, if he, if it's official, for him to have to prove what he's going to do, I was thinking Justin Fields until this. I yes. like Justin Fields as yep. an option here for the Raiders. I think that's probably dead. But the quarterback is the big thing here, what the Raiders are going to do, and I think that's going to drive our offseason. No doubt. It's, it's As I was told by a source in the building, um, they need to get an OC. They need to get a quarterback. No more Band-Aids, I was told. So, and I'll, I'll just throw this out there if we want to upset the fans. What about this? What if Getsy actually likes what Jimmy Garoppolo can do? What if he likes yeah. him in his offense? Then you've already got that kind of somewhat solved. I mean, you don't have to uh, address it anymore, but they do. They need to go get somebody. They need to, to, to address that room, and Aiden needs competition. Uh, last one as we started with Las Vegas and we wrap it up. For you and your coverage all week, I think this Paul Tagliabue thing, excuse me, that Roger Goodell uh, interview that's coming up here. Yeah. I got a weird feeling about this, and here's my feeling. He's always been transparent. Yeah. It's always been he's going to give you one day, and I don't care if it's Jim Trotter or the next guy. It's going to be whatever you ask, he's going to answer, and it's a t- it's his state of the union, yeah. and I love that about him. Now he's not doing that. It's invite only. Yeah. The John Gruden case is in the state of Nevada. Yeah. That's my tinfoil hat. Everything else that's happening here, how are you judging this press conference later today and what his goal is when he has the opportunity to welcome Vegas, but he does get hard questions at this presser? I'll be at that presser. Yeah. I, uh, oh. as, as part of ESPN, I'll be there. I've got a, a handful of questions. I don't know how many they're going to allow us to ask, but I will be there. And beyond the Gruden thing, I'm, I'm also wondering about what, what changed. It wasn't that long ago when Las Vegas couldn't even uh, advertise during Super Bowl uh, broadcast uh, as, a, as a vacation destination. And beyond that, I'm trying to get to the bottom, too, also of what's going on with the field. Because remember how, how bad the field was yeah. in Arizona last year? It's the same system here. The only difference is they have the heating coils under the field here to keep the field uh, warm, so to speak, so that it keeps growing and doesn't have the dead spots. So, and it's still outside. It's still outside in this rain, and they're going to bring it in on Wednesday. So there's a handful of things. But, yeah, in terms of that presser, it is a departure because it used to be on Friday, and they moved it to Wednesdays. Now it's the invite only on Mondays when not a lot of national people are here yet. They're not here. Yeah. You nailed it. They're yeah. not here. Half of Radio Row isn't here till Tuesday. Right. Right. And I just find that interesting. Thanks for everything you do. Good to talk to you. Sounds good. You got it. Thank Paul Gutierrez is kind enough to join us here. As we kick it off, our coverage from Radio Row, and Albert Breer will join us coming up here in a little bit, too. We just had a sit-down with Albert, which is, uh, you know, the same thing with Paul. Paul had great information, and we're going to get great information from Albert Breer on this. And normally, from Radio Row, we don't have a lot of opportunity to take phone calls. I want to take phone calls in this first hour or two. It's really important today because, as I said earlier, Raider fans are freaking out, and they shouldn't be freaking out. 
And for those who say, hey, JT, you're going to support whoever they hire. No, that's not the case. I just told you in the open, I wanted Cliff Kingsbury more so than Getsy, But I don't know much about him, nor do you. We don't know. We can just look at what happened with the Bears. And when you're a GM or of a team that's not doing well, i.e. Tom Telesco, right? He got let go. He comes here for a reason. There is a reason. And the, the good thing that I've seen from talking to sources inside the building was Getsy was their first, second, or third choice. So let's say he was the second choice, and they lost Cliff Kingsbury. Okay, it's not the end of the world. Both Cliff Kingsbury and Getsy, who's ever, who is ever the offensive coordinator of the team, had to fit underneath Antonio Pierce and make this thing work. So here's my message to Raider Nation and the season ticket holders, which I'm one of them. You could lose your bleep in mind and make this guy feel uncomfortable if he is the choice. And, and not welcome him and kick him to the curb and say he sucks when you know nothing about him. Or you can look around and say there's some things that he does that are really strong. And Tom Coughlin as a consultant, Marvin Lewis now as a coach, Antonio Pierce, all the other coaches that are there are going to figure it out, and we're not going to know what happens until they start playing games. You can go either two directions. I never give you rules on this show ever other than one. Don't make it personal. Don't make it personal and start trashing people who haven't coached a game. Because I, I wanted Cliff Kingsbury here just like you. He doesn't have a 500 record as a coach. It's not like he's Sid Gillum. He's not like one of the greatest offensive minds to ever be in the NFL. Give me a break. The Josh McDaniels has a 10 times bigger track record. Not two times, 10 times as a play caller and an offensive play caller than Cliff Kingsbury could ever have. And we know how everybody treated Josh McDaniels, and it didn't work out well with him. So you're going to go down the same road that you went with with the former head coach who got fired, or you're going to be open to some of these ideas. I don't know what you're going to do. That's why we throw out the number, 702-365-9200. We are loaded up here. we got great interviews coming in. Marcus Allen is texting me. He wants to confirm. Stephen A. Smith just texted me. He wants to con- uh, confirm. So we're going to try to bring these in. I got a big show tonight. The next two nights I'm on the grand stage here with Mad Dog Sports Radio from 4 to 7. So I'm double dipping the first two days of Radio Row with two shows. And we're going to have a lot of fun here because when there are windows to talk to you, what I've always thought about Radio Row and what I like to bring to the table, like I do when I'm doing shows from inside Raiders headquarters, is I like to pretend because I believe that you can get inside the building. You're inside Radio Row with me. We'll tell some stories. We'll interview some fun people. We'll interview some Hall of Famers. But then all of a sudden, boom, we go to your phone call and you're right in the middle of Radio Row in Vegas. It's cool. Uh, The weather is a problem. My wife, who is the greatest Uber driver on top of everything she did, she dropped me off today. The 215 was a bleeping parking lot, parking lot from Durango all the way in. Then it opened up on the 15. The weather is absolutely brutal, which I'm happy it's brutal on Monday, Tuesday instead of Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Friday, I'm doing a live remote from Cafe Americano. Oh, my God, I can't wait to see you Friday. We'll be outside on the deck, Cafe Americano, right when you walk into Caesars. If you've been to my remotes there, that's going to be a big one because we're gonna, it's brought to you by Modelo, and by Friday, I will be staring down a bucket of Modelos with my friends in town. So if you're coming in for Super Bowl, if you're here already, make sure you join me live on Friday. Uh, we have Fred Bolitnikoff. We have so many other insiders and Hall of Famers that are going to join us. I just got confirmation from Howie Long, who's going to join me also throughout the week. So it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm excited about that. Hardcore Raider, we can fit you in here in the monologue. Jump on in. What do you got for us? 
Hey, JT, excited uh, for what you guys are going to bring here this week on Radio Row. So, Thank you. Uh, keep up the good work. Um, you know, sometimes I overreact, but, you know, the way I feel about this hire, and I let my emotions get the best of me sometimes, but I'm not going to overreact on this one. And the reason why, like, I'm, I'm a big Hugh Jackson fan, and I'm holding on hope that Hugh Jackson can be part of this team, not as the OC, but as an assistant. And Hugh Jackson got interviewed recently, and he just said he wants to kind of share his knowledge with someone and kind of help, like, essentially teach someone, you know, that he's at the back end of his career. So if the Raiders do what I want, you know, preferably, which would be to, you know, bring Hugh Jackson on, um, if that was the case, there's not too many offensive coordinators that are going to be willing to be, like, coached or mentored by somebody that's like a senior offensive assistant. So if the Raiders, you know, if their plan is to bring on Hugh Jackson, then I don't hate it, you know, and I think we can have a good offense. If it's different and Hugh isn't part of it, then it's a little bit different for me and I'll probably be a little bit more – perturbed but right now like i'm trying to just you know let the, let the process happen because i do uh, trust our coach ap keep up the good work thank you all right man i appreciate it and i want to say this again i really want to make sure i'm guarded when i say this because i don't want to go nuts on this topic let the hires happen please let the hires happen if they don't work out i mean you want the hires to be perfect we want to find the next tom flores you want to find the next john madden good luck with that you want to get the next quarterback. It could be a journeyman, Rich Gannon, who becomes an MVP. You want to get the right offensive coordinator. But stop with the fact that you think you know who knows how to call plays better as an offensive coordinator than Tom Telesco and everybody who's in the meeting hiring these guys. Okay, it, it might not be your favorite choice, but they're going to take over at the highest capacity. Do you know how many people interviewed Luke Getze and wanted him? or he was in the, He was in the process with three or four teams. And the Raiders end up getting him. Was he the first choice? I would absolutely say no. We know he wasn't the first choice. They had a deal, it looked like, consummated with Cliff Kingsbury. It didn't work out. And I would have welcomed Cliff and picked him up at the airport if he came here. But I also know that he is not the next coming of the greatest play caller ever. Okay, he got let go of a job too. What happens this time of year is you hire people that have been fired. You hire people that have maybe had a down cycle because their ownership sucked, or they didn't have a good quarterback. Maybe Luke Getze would have been the greatest offensive coordinator in the history of the Bears if Justin Fields played better. Maybe he held them back. I don't know. But all I know is that if the Raiders believe he's the right choice and they vetted him, and from what I heard inside the building today, he blew away, quote, from inside the building as high up as you can get, he blew everybody away in his in-person meeting. So he's very impressive. So if he wasn't 1A, he was definitely number two. And did the Raiders get the right guy? I have no bleeping idea. I'm just not going to lead Raider Nation to a cliff and jump off together and say that this is a disaster. And there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on as we take a look at this. And, again, I want to hear from you at 702-365-9200. How about Grimaldi's, our sponsor all week? Man, did they step up. And I'm not just talking Great Brooklyn Bridge Pizza. They stepped up in a big way and said, absolutely, JT. You've been with us from day one. Grimaldi's is our sponsor here along with everyone else, including PTs as they fuel the monologue. And we love their happy hours, 5 to 7 and midnight to 2. If you're in town, you're listening to us from out of town, I am going to walk you through the Super Bowl. Coming up next, a big interview. Eddie Pascal and myself just interviewed Albert Breer on the timeline of Cliff Kingsbury and what happened. It's really good. And I think you'll hear this might be some of the best content we have all week in regards to the Raiders and what's going on in OC. So Albert Breer will join us coming up. We just knocked that out. 
about less than a half hour ago, right before I came on, and it is really good. And all the Raiders programming is going to be living at Raiders.com and on YouTube, where I'm hosting that every day from 10 a.m. to noon before this show. Bobby's back. We're thrilled about that. Cafe Americano on Friday. I am honored to kick off our coverage today after our morning show from Radio Row. We just haven't had that that aspect, so I kind of lit a fire, I think, under some guys, uh, including myself. But um, at the end of the day, it's playoff games. I mean, you want to win. I mean, you, this is this is what you kind of play for. And I think that fire would have been, regardless if you're under the dog or not, that fire would have been lit because this is the time of year that you work for and you put in those hard practices for. And I think we have that mindset: if we're going to practice the way we do and we're going to work the way we uh, work, we're not going to let it slide by. And we're going to make sure that we maximize our opportunity every time we're out there. Well, Bobby must be back if we're playing Ted Nugent out of breaks. Cat scratch fever. Welcome back, Bobby. JT live from Radio Row, brought to you by Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence. The big game means big offers. Show us your big game ticket at Club One, and you'll get one ounce of the Louis. Oh, Louis the 13th Cognac. $200 match play, Circa Sports merch, uh, Louis and Circa. Have a great promotion going. I want to thank Stephen Brody, my good buddy, Tori, everybody, our partners at Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence. They got Usher performing, and that's their partner, and Usher's performing at the Super Bowl. We are honored to represent Remy Martin live from Radio Row all week, one of our proud partners who are there. So that's Patrick Mahomes. Look, a lot of people are freaking out that they're in our building. They're going to be the locker room or not. I thought they would not be in our locker room. I think they're not. I'll get clarification on that. Whatever happens, they must lose at all costs. The goal is for Kansas City to lose the Super Bowl. I've been saying that nationally and locally, whatever it takes. Am I a Niner fan? Hell no, I'm not a Niner fan. The Niners are in the NFC. I know Oakland fans can't stand the Niners. I get it. We live in Vegas now. The team's based in Vegas. we got to get Kansas City out of the way. One of the things I'll be talking about with our guests all week is that Kansas City's playing for a dynasty. If they win three over five years, it's a dynasty. If they go back-to-back, but back-to-back doesn't make you a dynasty, but back-to-back with another one recently makes you a dynasty. If they don't win the Super Bowl, the dynasty is dead. That's it. They've won two Super Bowls in five years. Other teams have done that. Bleeping Jim Plunkett's won two Super Bowls in that amount of time, Super Bowl 15 and 18. Give me a break. Okay, they got to lose this game to slow their role historically with the Raiders and currently in the AFC West, and I think you agree with me on that. Moments ago, Eddie Pascal and I sat down with Albert Breer, who arguably has got the most information about what happened with Cliff Kingsbury, what's going on with Getsy. Here's our conversation at Raiders.com with Albert Breer from Monday Morning Quarterback. Albert Breer, Eddie Pascal as always, and we jump right in from MMQB. Welcome to Vegas first. Did you ever think, with all of the knowledge you have and all your insiding years here, that we'd have a Super Bowl here? It's wild when you go back and you look at like what Roger Goodell said about gambling 10 years ago, 8 years ago, even like 6 years ago, um, that this would be happening, but it's a changing world, you know? And I think that this is certainly reflective of it. And, um, you know, I've always said New Orleans is the best Super Bowl city because New Orleans is the one city where it doesn't feel like 10 pounds of you-know-what in a five-pound bag, right? right? Like New Orleans can absorb a Super Bowl. 
I mean, we'll see. We don't know because we haven't seen it yet, and this is Monday, and we'll see how the week goes. But it certainly feels like Vegas has got the same strengths New Orleans does that way. Let's jump right in. Your column yep. was great on Cliff Kingsbury and what happened with the Raiders to get to Luke Getzey. You're reporting on what happened with the Raiders. Yeah, so um, my understanding is they didn't want to go to a third year, and that created an opening, and a number of teams swooped in, hearing that Cliff was available again, and the commanders are able to go in and get him. Um, and look, like, you know, because he was the last hire, Dan Quinn wanted to be aggressive in filling out his staff. And um, he had had some college names on his staff and was open-minded about where he wanted to take it um, offensively. Um, and obviously for any defensive-minded head coach, that's going to be a big hire. So they got aggressive and were able to go in there and get that done. Um, and, you know, the Raiders, I, I, you know, there's part of me like that wonders how much of it is – all the guys that you're still paying that aren't working here anymore. You know, your John Gruden's, your Josh McDaniels, your Dave Ziegler's. Um, there are a lot of contracts that still need to be paid out. And so, you know, you certainly can ask that question, like how much of this was to avoid having another contract that was, you know, potentially going to have money down the line, which, again, isn't the best way of doing business, I don't think. But you can understand based on the years that they've had here, the last few years, um, why they would make decisions from a business standpoint that way. You know, Alvin, for friends of the silver and black, who you see the name Luke Getzey, obviously think of last year in Chicago. But when you look at an offense, what he brings, what he likes to do, what characteristics uh, of a Luke Getzey offense should, should people here in Vegas come to expect? Yeah, I mean, I think it gives you a piece of like the McVay, Shanahan, um, Tree, Faya, uh, Matt LaFleur. Um, and, you know, certainly he worked with quarterbacks at different ends of the spectrum. He has all that experience having worked with Aaron Rodgers. And then the last couple of years has to kind of make it work with a different type of quarterback in Justin Fields, who's a lot younger. Um, I think Luke's really smart. Luke is likable and will get the respect of the players. Um, and I, I do think for AP, I mean, I think one of the things that um, is encouraging about where AP is taking it, and, you know, we'll see, but like, one of the things that's encouraging about where AP is taking it is I do think he does have a level of self-awareness and that he knows what he doesn't know. And knowing that you need somebody who's got some experience calling plays on that side of the ball, um, I think is important because that's going to allow you, if you have to help out on defense, if you have to do stuff, the over the top, like head coach type stuff, um, you know, you got somebody experienced over there. You're not going to have to babysit the offense, right? So I think that's the advantage of it. But, you know, from a scheme perspective, um, an adaptable scheme, I think. And um, one that, you know, again, is like built on those McVeigh Shanahan tenants, which is the term they use, the illusion of complexity. Yeah. It's complex for the defense, um, but simple for your own players. How much does Devontae weigh in on this when Aaron Rodgers and his years with Green Bay? Because you know that Max spoke up a lot about yeah. Antonio Pierce. Do you think Devontae was brought in and talked about with this, considering he's well, a star offensive player? Yeah. I, I mean, Luke was on the list from the beginning. So... Um, there was three guys that, um, that, that AP had in mind. Cliff was one, Luke was one, and the third one, I'm sorry, is escaping me now. I reported it somewhere. I'm just got like a little bit of a brain cramp there. I can't remember the third name. But they were both in consideration at the beginning, and I do think that that's part of it. You know? Um, you know, one thing, for better or worse, that Mark has done over the last few years, he's listened to his players, and you guys know that, right? Now, there are pitfalls with that, like where – can it create some organizational chaos? I think that that's the risk you run. But um, the flip side of it is that it does give you insight into things that are happening and um, the way things work other places in the league. And 
Devontae's experience working with Luke Getzey in Green Bay certainly does play into something like this. And, um, you know, having those three guys that, that Mark really has leaned on, I think, over the last year or so, and Max Crosby, Devontae Adams, and Josh Jacobs, does give you some institutional knowledge in a situation like this. You talked about, you know, MD kind of listening to the players, understanding the heartbeat of that locker room a little bit. And Antonio Pierce now, his first opportunity to be a head coach in the NFL, now paired with Tom Telesco, a guy who comes in with a ton of experience, who did it at a really high level in the AFC West as well. When you look at Tom and kind of that pairing now between Tom and AP, what makes you optimistic that this is a a marriage that's going to be able to work? Well, Tom put together some really good rosters with the Chargers. So you can start there. Um, You know, he's been a high-level talent evaluator for a long long time like even before he got to the Chargers the Colts really leaned on him like he was one of Bill Polian's right hand guys um, and as they built the teams that contended for championships there in Indianapolis for all those years with Peyton Manning as the quarterback so um, you know he's seen it done a lot of different ways he's seen it built around a legendary quarterback and in, in Peyton Manning then he gets to the Chargers, and he builds it around a veteran quarterback and Phillip Rivers in his early years there, then has to go through turning it over and going and finding Justin Herbert. Um, not that not that Justin Herbert was hard to find. He's the sixth pick in the draft. But being able to kind of transition from one era for the team to another era for the team, you know, I think is a feather in his cap too. So I don't think the roster was ever the problem there. And, um, and I do think having somebody with some experience who's had their finger on the trigger and has had to make big decisions certainly is another thing that helps when you've got a first-time head coach. Albert Breer is our guest. That's a really important point because, Mark, they interviewed a lot of GM candidates. Yeah. As you know, you know Richard Seymour is in the room, a lot of other individuals. When they made that decision, experience played a big role yeah. considering what happened. Dave Ziegler, who you know well, a younger GM at the time. Do you feel like Mark's trying to thread the needle with youth well, experience and yeah. coaching AP? And look, like I think... You know, Champ had Champ had yeah. Champ yeah. had support. Like I, I know on that. I think it was that Saturday after AP was named, they had a second interview with Champ, and AP was in the second interview. You know, so like it was something that they really considered. Um, I also know Ed Dodds had a lot of support. You know, and he interviewed well a couple years ago. Um, and what my sense was is they were going through the discussion and kind of comparing Champ and Ed Dodds. It was sort of like, well, we've got like a safer play over here. And that's nothing against Ed or Champ, but we have like a guy who's already done it and who's accomplished and who, you know, knows the division, has been in the AFC West, has had to build a team to combat Patrick Mahomes before and to combat Andy Reid before. And so, you know, I think it was sort of a result of the divide between Ed and Champ, kind of what got them to Tom. And, you know, I, I think what's interesting about it was, and it, I think it speaks to how open their process was on the GM side. I think on the coaching side, we all had an idea. Like, it was either going to be a really massive swing or it was going to be AP, right? Because AP had so much support in that locker room. Um, on, the, on the GM side, I think they did try to take a more open mind to it. And I think bringing, having a guy who was a nominal candidate at the beginning and Tom Telesco, like, I don't think he was at the top of their list, list at the beginning. But being able to have that conversation where you had the two leaders, then it kind of leads you in the direction to, to where you hire Tom, I think speaks to how open-minded they were about all of that. 
you know, you come in, you have a new head coach, you know, AP goes through, you know, takes the interim tag off, but a new GM, and the, the natural question after that is, okay, well, who's the quarterback going to yep. be? Uh, certainly really top-heavy this year in the draft, but do you look at, at this being the year where the Silver and Black have to get their air quotes franchise quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the worst thing you can do is pigeonhole yourself into a single year where you're saying that. That's how E.J. Manuel goes 16th overall. That's how Christian Ponder goes 12th overall. There's so many examples of teams predetermining mm-hmm. that we're going to take a quarterback. Come hell or high water, we're getting a quarterback this year. The fact is, it's a lot harder than that. Yeah. And if you look at like the way the Chiefs did, you want to look in the division, if they had done that their first year, they had the first pick in the draft that year, they draft Eric Fisher, right? If they had forced it that year, do you know who was in that quarterback class? E.J. Manuel, Geno Smith, Matt Barkley. I mean, it was... It was like if you have forced something with in the first round there, it would have wound up being really bad. Instead, they go and they get Alex Smith, and they tread water, and they wait, and they're patient, and like let's see when something really special comes along, and then they identify Patrick Mahomes. And at that point, the roster was built out so they could use the extra draft capital and get aggressive and go and get him. Right. Um, and I think it's a good example of like why – you shouldn't pigeonhole yourself into a, into a single year. And you should go get yourself a contingency plan in the veteran market and say, like, yeah, we're open to trading up or we're open to taking one, but we're not going to force it. Where you, when you force, it's when you get in trouble. And so I would say the way most of the people I talk to have, are looking at it right now, there are two clusters of quarterbacks atop the draft. Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels in one. I don't think the Raiders are in a position now where any of those three are going to fall to them. The second cluster is Michael Penix, Bo Nix, and J.J. McCarthy in some order. That second cluster I don't think helped itself at the Senior Bowl this week. Now, McCarthy didn't play, but I think the gap between the first cluster and second cluster is probably bigger now than it was a week ago. So if you're the Raiders, it's two things now. Is one of those guys in that top cluster good enough to get aggressive to go and get? Number one. And then number two, is one of those guys in the second cluster better than people think? And those are the two questions you got to answer. Last one, and I appreciate your time with this. You look at Getze, no more Kingsbury, that's out. You think of Josh Jacobs and Zamir White, yep. who ran the ball well at the end of the year. Really important what you just said at the quarterback position because Kirk Cousins is available and there's some free agents. Knowing now that Luke Getze is the offensive coordinator with Antonio Pierce, who likes to run the ball. Do the Raiders take a look at a veteran in free agency after what happened with Jimmy Garoppolo? I mean, you can look at that like two ways. Do you spend? Which if you spend, it's Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield aren't going to be cheap, yep. right? Like, mm-hmm. So you could spend. Um, the other thing you could potentially do is you could do what Tampa did last year and going and getting Baker Mayfield and say, is there a highly drafted guy out there who might be a distressed asset right now? Mm-hmm. Justin Fields. Right. Like, would you go and trade for Justin Fields? Now, I think Luke, like, you know, Luke's obviously been with him, so he's going to have a say in whether or not you do that. Um, but if it's not a guy in the draft, I think you have to look at all of those different things. And is there a guy who's good enough out there where maybe we could turn him into more than he was? Or maybe he can be good enough to tread water with? Or do you feel like, hey, like, let's go get Kirk Cousins for the next three years? And that'll at least give us some runway so we can find the next young guy and we don't have to force it. Um, I think there are different ways to look at this. And I think because you have Telesco, who's got some experience, he's going to understand, like, hey, like, the worst thing I could do is 
really force something that's not there. So, like, let's take a global approach to this and look at the quarterback room rather than just one, in, one quarterback in particular. We're doing a lot of content here. I don't know if we're going to top this. That was a fantastic deep dive into the Raiders and their hirings. Thanks for joining us. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. That's Albert Breer from a little while ago, and I think that's about as big of an interview as you'll hear today on exactly what happened with the Raiders' timeline, Cliff Kingsbury, what they're looking to do going forward. He likes Getsy. He told me that beforehand as we were trying to set up an interview, and then he ended up coming and joining us on the Raiders' set. And I'll do uh, some interviews from the Raiders' set, and we'll replay it here, and we'll do that. But Albert is a really good insider with a lot of contacts, and he's calm, he's cool, and he walked you through everything that happened from his perspective. I think he's one of the only journalists who wrote the deep dive on what happened with Cliff Kingsbury, and we got him day one right out of the gate. So that's where the calmness should be unless you want to freak out. And I just tweeted out to show you how triggered the Raider Nation is today. The commanders are not bringing back Eric Bieniemy. So I tweeted out, I quote tweeted, this guy literally gets no respect. I don't get it. And now everybody thinks I want him as the Raiders offensive coordinator no it has nothing to do with the Raiders it has to do with the fact that Eric Bieniemy, who had an issue in college that he atoned for and you know me I'm the king of no domestic violence and the issues that he had in college as a player he was great friends with Mike Pritchard who's a great friend of mine Eric Bieniemy, Super Bowl with Andy Reid all the success he's had as a play caller and Cliff Kingsbury going to the commanders means Eric Bieniemy is gone, and that's being reported as we speak right now, which is another example of if I put 100 people in front of me, 100, and said who's the better play caller, Eric Bieniemy or Cliff Kingsbury, 70 to 80 would say, I think they'd say Eric Bieniemy. And Eric Bieniemy even gets heat because he worked for Andy Reid, and people say, well, no, he didn't call all the plays. And Josh McDaniels got heat because Brady was too good. Everyone's losing their mind over offensive coordinators. Offensive coordinators, there's not many of them. I I got a group of eight or nine that would probably be available for the Raiders. And if it becomes official with Luke Getze, which we believe it will, you know, there's only seven or eight guys that were available this offseason. Some become head coaches. Others become pass game coordinators. Others become quarterback coaches. And then when an offensive coordinator gets fired, does that gentleman have the right to coach again? Or if he's fired, then he can never work again in the league, i.e. Cliff Kingsbury fired as head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, getting paid a lot of money, which he's getting paid from the Cardinals still. And did that have everything to do with the Raiders not giving him a third year compared to a second year? Well, you just heard Albert Breer. I'll let you think about that yourself. Eric Bieniemy, Hugh Jackson, whoever it's going to be. So everyone is trying to figure out what the perfect – perfect fit is and when i remind everybody there is no perfect fit i mean bill belichick didn't get a job in the cycle everybody pete carroll didn't get a job in the cycle mike vrabel did not get a job in the cycle come on so i don't think the raider nation should be diving off cliffs saying we're done because we didn't get the best offensive coordinator or our first pick i mean tom telesco turned out to be kind of the raiders first pick when they were interviewing everybody else that's the guy they liked a lot Broadcasting live from Super Bowl 58, Radio Row, brought to you by Grimaldi's. Football fans score big at Grimaldi's Pizzeria, four locations in Las Vegas. It's the ultimate game day feast. Elevate your taste game with Grimaldi's Pizzeria. Got room to take your phone call, 702-365-9200 from Vegas, Radio Row.
I think the Chiefs now, it can safely be said, are America's team. The Dallas Cowboys have had that moniker for a long time, and they're still a glamour franchise, but they haven't been to the Super Bowl since the mid-90s. For a hot the, minute, they were saying Detroit is America's team. For a hot minute. Sentimentally, yes. yeah. They would have yes. been a sentimental favorite if they got to the Super Bowl, and it would have been a great storyline. 49ers are a good storyline, too. But now the Chiefs have been to four of the yeah. last five Super Bowls. Yeah. They have the best quarterback in the game, even Patrick though there Mahomes. are others really yes. who are really good. He's exciting. He improvises. He's charismatic. Mm-hmm. They've got him. Andy Reid's been around a long time, went to the Super Bowl with Philadelphia, and now with the Chiefs. They've got Travis Kelsey and his romance with Taylor Swift. He yes. was a big deal to begin with, and now it blows up bigger. Yes. Plus the State Farm commercials. Yes. You don't have to know a screen pass from a field goal to know something about the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, JT, back with you. That is Bob Costas. I should get full credit for what he just said because I've been talking about that for four freaking months. It's really been one of the biggest topics on my show. That exactly is the fact that Kansas City is trying to guerrilla market America's team. So I'm proud that Bob Costas, who I know a little bit, uh, says the same thing I've been saying for four months. This is a big deal. Kansas City sees the void to become America's team. Now, All that matters is who you think America's team is. A lot of people think it's the Cowboys because of what they did in the 70s and what they did through the 90s, and that's fair because they're the most expensive franchise in the NFL. They're worth more than everybody else because they built a brand that is very unique. But Kansas City is now trying to take over that, and they're doing it multiple ways. They're doing it by winning, winning at an alarming rate. They're winning a lot. They're doing this with the commercials the media commercials which are massive and then they're doing it with taylor swift who won all the grammys last night so it's a perfect storm so they see a void they see a void and something missing and in order to take control of that they're diving into the void (laughs) that's one of the reasons i said we got to stop these guys we got to slow them down and slow their roll down and we hope that someone beats them and that would be anybody else but the niners but i'm sorry everybody the niners are playing in the super bowl I just added Mike North, the great legendary sports talk host of Chicago on Luke Getze, reportedly going to be the new offensive coordinator of the Raiders. He's the king of Chicago sports radio through 30 years. He'll give us the best analysis. I don't know what he's going to say. I don't know if he loves him or he doesn't like him. Uh, Mike is really good. I did not vet the interview. He's going to join us coming up here in a little bit. And then we got another hour to go before I head over to the other side of this grand hall and we start Mad Dog Sports Radio for 4-7 to seven the next couple of nights. If you want to get through here on what the Raiders are doing with the offensive coordinator position, jump on in, 702-365-9200. I think this story is big with Roger Goodell. He's having his press conference at 3, and it seems like something's wrong here. I'm just saying it. This is my 26th radio row. I've been about half of his press conferences when I wasn't on the air, and he's normally transparent. Not this time around. It's invite only. What could he want to hold back from that press conference? We'll talk about it next hour as we're brought to you by the 872 laborers who built the Legion Stadium on time and on budget.